0: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
1: This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast
2: series. Hello and welcome to The Tonight Show. New restrictions are on the horizon. Nefford has been meeting today. We'll have the very latest And later tonight, we'll take a look back at a turbulent 2021 in our Year in Review. You can get in touch on Twitter with your comments and questions on hashtag TonightVMTV. We begin the show with some developing news and Neffet has been meeting today to see what to recommend to the government about new restrictions. Well, let's go straight to John Lee, the executive editor of Daily Mail Group Ireland, because, John, you can bring us up to date. You have information about Neffet's advice to government. What are you hearing, especially with regard to hospitality, pubs and restaurants over the festive season?
3: Uh, Claire, we have some bad news for revellers in tomorrow's Daily Mail and for... Um, pub and restaurant owners, the government is going to consider recommendations from NPHET that they close very early in the evening, as early as five o'clock throughout the Christmas period, which has been described as one of the political sources I spoke to this evening as a virtual curfew. Um, That will come as a hammer blow to all those um, pubs and restaurants who hope to make up a lot of their annual income in the next couple of weeks. There is no proposed change on um, household visits, which will be pleasing for families. Uh, I think at the moment it's for including your own uh, household, four households and your own in a house. And um, no, as, as of now that I'm aware, no particular recommendations on intercounty county travel or any of those severe lockdown measures that we, that we had in the past.
2: Okay, do we know when these measures, um, if they're taken up by government, would, would come into effect potentially?
3: The recommendation from the is they come in as quickly as possible. Right now, Michal Martin is in um, Brussels at an EU Council meeting. He's due back tomorrow. Um, Michal, um, Leo Varadkar indicated in a news talk during the week that, that he expected there to be a cabinet meeting Uh, tomorrow. So they will try and get those, if possible, I can't really see how we're going to get those um, draconian new measures in operation for five o'clock tomorrow evening. But Neffet, I know, are anxious that they come in for the weekend. They do not want to see uh, a rush to the pubs and restaurants um, over the weekend for those who want to get in their parties and enjoyment before these draconian restrictions happen. So this weekend, you can expect
2: yeah, um, that, that will be something um, for businesses hugely to get to grips to. Apart from uh, with, apart from anything else, apart from plans that people may have made about reunions and pubs and and, and meals out and everything that goes with the festive season. Are we hearing anything about live and, and sporting events and how they may be impacted by any new potential restrictions?
3: Uh, we'll be reporting tomorrow that there are proposals from Nefed recommendations that the government restrict indoor um certain indoor events um to an unspecified level at this stage and we, we, as always as many of your viewers are familiar with now governments themselves uh, have to absorb these recommendations and they decide exactly what they are right now they want a, a strict reduction of capacity at indoor events large events concerts etc uh, I presume that would apply to everything um pantos and whatever else uh, there is an exemption, I, I'm told, I'm, I'm briefed this evening, for hotels that would then allow residents of hotels to avail of bars up until whatever those closing times are um, in the coming weeks. Uh, there, there's no specified time for my briefings, timeline for these restrictions. But the last time I was on your show, I think two weeks ago, we revealed the um, plans words for new restrictions then we're to stretch up till the 8th of january and i'm working on the assumption from the conversations i've had late this evening that that these will apply till then as well which will bring us through the entirety of the Christmas season
2: okay john thank you for bringing us up to date with that john lee executive editor of daily M- G- mail group ireland um with his story that'll be all across the front pages um tomorrow um Now, let's discuss all this with my panel. I'm joined by the Minister of State for Business, Employment and Retail, Damien English, People Before Profit TD, Paul Murphy, and GP, Nina Burns. And I'm joined via Skype by Tony O'Brien, columnist at the Business Post and former Director General of the HSE. You're all very welcome along to the programme tonight. I'm going to come to you first, Minister. Um, This early evening hospitality curfew that we're hearing about to come into effect potentially from this weekend. That's among the NETFIT recommendations that we understand are going to be put to government. What's your reaction to it?
1: Uh, Well, To be honest, I haven't seen the recommendations. I don't think very many have. Uh, To be honest with you, so the NETFIT met today Uh, I do understand they've sent sent the recommendations with their data to Minister Donnelly. He said he's confirmed he's received it. It hasn't been shared with Cabinet that I'm aware of, and Cabinet will probably meet tomorrow to discuss that and make the changes. So, unlike John, I don't know what an effort are recommending. I I do know, and we did expect, that there will be advice around uh, close contacts. There will probably be advice around reducing social mixing uh, and probably advice around travel. But I, I haven't seen it, so I can't comment on it. What, what Nefford are saying, in general, though, I think it's important that the cabinets um, cabinet take on board Nefford's advice, but but also that our response is proportionate. We know and we can see the spread, uh, 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 you know, of Omicron around the, uh, the UK and every other country as well. And we are watching that data. We are very concerned here. We can see the twenty seven percent plus is the predictions for words at the moment here, so it is very serious. Mm-hmm. But we also have to recognise uh, that the the, the the Delta variant has been has been brought under control by the restrictions put in place over the last couple of weeks and the public response to that, mm-hmm. which has been very, very difficult for many businesses in many sectors and hospitality, indoor play and leisure sectors, entertainment took a, took a big hit in the last few weeks, and we have to recognise that as well. So it is a difficult, difficult time. And from my view, from a minister in the enterprise department, we want to at all times to enable businesses to trade, if at all possible. But we'll take on board this advice tomorrow, and decisions will be made probably be tomorrow and announced, I would imagine, by tomorrow night. I don't know what they are, and I'm not, I'm not misleading on that, because I've not seen the NAFTA advice. Yeah,
2: well, we are hearing, as I say. <laughs> These, these reports tonight and they will be you know, broadly discussed mm. I'm sure in the media tomorrow before we hear more about it from government but given that impact on business, you already spoke about the restrictions that are already mm. in place and public sentiment around Christmas and wanting it's, to get together and, mm. and meet up in as safe a way as possible uh, how do you think it will go down?
1: Look, people are wore out with the last two years of trying to manage and deal with Covid but I think the majority will also recognise how serious this is uh, and how rapid the, 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 it, the, it's, it's spreading. Uh, and we have to deal with that and we have to recognise that. While the restrictions were put in place, uh, would, naturally we, we, we would have preferred not to, not to implement them at all, but they have worked and they've took the pressure back down off the, off the, off the hospital numbers. We see ICU down to 118. We see hospital, hospital cases down on the yeah. 500. And we'd like mm-hmm. to keep it that way. But we are heading into a very difficult time with the new variant. And we have to manage that. But again, Cabinet will will discuss this tomorrow and will make the decisions. And they will be proportionate. But I do think most people you understand. You say they'll
2: be proportionate. So what Neffert recommends won't necessarily be what government decides. Is that what you're well, saying? Uh, again, or maybe it, tweaked?
1: It, yeah, well, I mean, we, we've seen what, what government and Cabinet take on board Neffert's advice. Make the decisions then that they feel are appropriate and are proportionate. But And I think most people understand what's happening all over Europe now. Everyone's health system is Immense pressure. What we do do is to protect uh, people's lives and protect the spread of a very, very serious variant.
2: Uh, We are hearing about the the spread of this variant and that it now accounts for 27% of of all COVID cases. in Ireland at the moment. Uh, So your view then on on any restrictions and what we're hearing tonight maybe landing in the government's uh, lap in the morning, they're pretty stark. It's going to have a huge uh, devastating impact on businesses, a body blow really over the Christmas period and extending into January. Um, Do you think they're necessary?
0: I I think we are facing a real tidal wave of cases in the coming days. I mean, people should look at the graphs coming from Britain where it's basically a straight line upwards. It's doubling every two to three days in Britain and the same appears to be here now. It was two days ago, we had 14%, we're up to 27% uh, now. It appears to be far more transmissible than uh, Delta. So it poses a real threat. And I think the worst mistake to make now would be to repeat the mistake made last Christmas which was to delay, to bow to the pressure of the bar and restaurant uh, lobby. And the consequence of that was 3,000 unnecessary debts and a lockdown that went on for six months. So we have to move and take action okay. now. Jamie's
2: talking about being proportionate. Would you would you say, should these be the recommendations about you know an early evening curfew around all hospitality, that it should get the green light and go ahead and be enforced by this weekend, I, I,
0: I think. Restrictions are going to be necessary. Um, I would also add uh, the question of closing the schools, the primary schools tomorrow um, for Christmas, three days early. They are the number one source of infection. Now 20% of all our cases are between five and 12 year olds. But the crucial point I would make is that people need to be supported. The government has taken away all of the supports that have existed. The ban on evictions, the ban on rent increases, the PUP has only been reinstated in a pretty meagre way. Many people are struggling to get out. If, you, if you're going to take these steps, yeah, some I of think, which are necessary because of have bad have government access. decisions, yeah, think, of allowing it to run wild through our schools, abandoning contact tracing, not putting in the HEPA filters, dragging your feet on the question of ventilation, you're responsible for yeah, the situation, yeah. then you have there's to support there's people there's by of, being able to yeah. access the PUP. There's a lot of issues there, but we're,
1: we're, we're just to be clear on this now, I, I, and again, there is no public health argument at this moment in time to Close schools area. That's not what the evidence is saying. That's not what Neffert is saying over the last couple of weeks or months. So let's be clear on that. Okay. That, that's happening, not it is happening. So you in you, you acknowledge now have our schools, say, but we haven't put at them at in. At this moment in time, there's no public health request or response to, 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 to lent in the school holidays. Let's be clear about that.
2: Look, okay? if, I suppose if it was going to happen, it would have to be announced tomorrow in any case. Let, again,
1: Paula said this now for a number of weeks. Neffert have been, have been given their data, their advice for, for, for weeks as well. They have not said that either as public, any public health teams, to be clear on that as well. In relation to ventilation, there's been advice since last May to schools in relation to ventilation. Many schools have put in place procedures. Look, we
2: know that the government have had to change their mind on that because they're exactly. investing now. Are exactly. They're investing millions in and, and these HEPA filters. And have been
0: for the last 18 no, months would uh, well. well, yeah. they ha- well schools schools but you've accepted now, now okay. they need HEPA filters, okay. but there isn't a single okay. HEPA filter in our schools. I, I, and the, the government should buy I them and it give them to the students before they
1: reopen. But in relation to payments and supports. They are there. And they've been in place consistently since the start of COVID.
0: Loads of people can they were pulled
2: back, but now they've been reinstated. They are in place. I just want to bring... Tony O'Brien in here just on the matter of um, what we're hearing about Omicron and, uh, you know, the, the impact that could have and, and, and a surge on our hospitals, should there be hospitalisations, uh, uh, an increase off the back of that? That's what seems to be shown in, in terms of what's happening in the UK at the moment. Um, are the systems in place? Will we be able to cope with such a surge?
4: Well, the the question is what extent that surge will be. And as has been mentioned, the modeling coming out of Britain and some of the Nordic countries is very stark. And if Omicron takes hold here and continues at a doubling rate, and and we see exponential growth, that will inevitably result in very serious health consequences. And it will hit, hit a health system that's been working at more than full speed for more than two years. And the problem is that the health system itself could have its capacity reduced by staff and their families being affected by infection at the same time as there's a massive surge of demand for health, health-related services. So it's absolutely vital that action is taken now to limit the spread of Omicron, to give a chance for the booster campaign to catch up, Uh, But it's really important that we're all aware that we have it in our own hands, so to speak, to continue to do the basic things. We do need to limit social contacts. We do need to return to really strict hygiene discipline, mask wearing, uh, ventilation when we're indoors. And rather than be worried about whether or not we can go to the pubs, I think Christmas is about family. And by not going out and socializing more broadly, it can make some kind of of family-based Christmas more tenable, particularly intergenerational mixing. So if there are new measures brought in tomorrow, I'm sure that will be the focus of it, to protect the capacity of the health service to function and not to allow what happened last year, as as Deputy Murphy said, the so-called meaningful Christmas led to a terrible price being paid, both in health terms, but also for for the businesses that are now being asked, probably, uh, to reduce their hours of activity.
2: Nina Burns, one of the, the key weapons in the fight against Omicron is the, the rollout of the booster vaccine. It's happening at a pace now, and um, following the announcement around its acceleration. Um, uh, you know, Depending on the provider, though, there are different rules in place, and that again seems to be causing confusion. From a GP point of view, can anybody over the age of 16 ring in and book an appointment with you in the coming days if you have space to take them?
5: the first thing i 'm going to say is please don 't ring to ask for your appointment um, because our receptionists are really really busy we are we 've actually opened an online booking system for appointments. So we are sending out, and I know a lot of practices are doing this, they are contacting patients. So although yes, they've said vaccines are opened up to anyone over 16, we have been asked to work backwards through the priority groups. So we have been boosting, we've done all our over 70s, we've done, we've pretty much done all our high risk group in our practice, we've moved into our over 50s. And we had already done that before they asked us to increase boosting actually. So my practice is small by comparison to some others so that made that a bit easier for us to do that. You have
2: an online portal.
5: we, my manager my amazing manager spent the last 24 hours getting that up and running we haven't had online booking up until now
2: yeah and many other surgeries wouldn't have that so, yeah, so gps are want contacting
5: to... patients with appointments
2: okay so that's what's happening because yeah, we are so hearing they're... as well that people are calling up their gp and they're managing to get appointments for next tuesday or wednesday of next week yeah i mean, I mean
5: listen, which is each gp can set their own good. rules about it but certainly you know we're we're i think some of the communication out there was contact your GP and then we were inundated with calls yeah. of people so I think the main message is that we GPs will contact people in the cohort in the same way the HSC will call up people in the cohort. Okay.
2: Just onto, onto the subject of messaging and that's going to be really important now in the days ha- ahead isn't it Damien? I mean when we look I was looking at one of the campaign that's out there I think it's called the RSVP campaign so before you go somewhere you should check the risk um, see if you've got symptoms, look at the venue and see how many people are going there, just to mark that, or SVP. There's nothing in there about taking antigen tests and, you know, that would seem like a really good, strong mitigation measure. We know now they're, they're cheaper, they're more available to more people and that surely this would be a good idea as people do meet up and they meet up within households.
1: Yeah, well, first of all, I mean, there's, there's been there's an advertising campaign around antigen testing, so it has been encouraged and been advised on. And again, if you're you're, you're being advised, yeah, well, we are
2: hearing it about people say coming home from the UK no, no, take it's, an it's, antigen it's, test today, but maybe it should be take an antigen test
1: before you go to that,
2: any other house. No, there,
1: there has been and there's, and there's been communications and campaigns around that. Certainly, if you're if you're socialising quite a lot, we are advising that you do antigen testing. But, but to, again, to be clear, if you already have symptoms, it's too late to do an antigen test at that is stage. You need a PCR test. It, yeah. That's what the advice has been all the time. But antigen right. testing is a useful part. It's not the be all end all and it's generally you know it's, it's you're asked to use it and use it over a couple of days. One test on its own is not great. But again I would say and, and to complement the system of the booster rollout we're now at about 50,000 yesterday booster vaccines were given about 220,000 this week. That will go to 300,000 but it's in a, massive, a massive effort from our GPs from our pharmacies from the vaccination centres to roll it back up to what it, it was is. earlier of the year but that will happen now. Yeah. And, and some would
2: say it's coming really late in, well, in well in again, it's, it's to, in line you know, with... with the week, well, the week to be fair now it's, now,
1: it's in line with when the advice came. As soon as NIAC gave yeah. advice to Sarah Minister in the booster campaign, we did start rolling out, rolling out the, the supports and the structures again to the vaccination centres. It's now getting up to a level of 300,000 by next week, which, where it needs to be okay. for the next six or seven weeks as well.
2: Um, Tony, just on the messaging front, do you think the government is doing um, a better job than it was? Um, they've been criticised so much around that and they need to get things right now if we're facing... Um, this wave of Omicron if if all the data from the UK and the case numbers here go up as we expect them to?
4: Well, I think I think we have to be fair to governments and, and recognise that this is a constantly moving situation, constantly evolving, and that messaging has to change and that that can appear confusing sometimes. But the, the advice I give is not to rush out with messaging until there's been an opportunity to sense check it. I know we, here, here we are again, well, we're hearing some drip drips from the, the the correspondence that's gone to government from nefet which will create some kind of impetus for rush decision making and rush announcements while decision making should be timely i think there should be a little pause between the making of the decision in figuring out how to communicate it so that it's communicated as effectively as possible and consistently from all parts of government. And you know, an hour or two spent doing that would, I think, be a good investment because whatever is decided tomorrow, and these will be big and significant decisions, we all need to understand them so that we can follow them and gain the benefit from these difficult decisions that now have to be made.
2: Yeah, it's getting that balance right, isn't it? Um, Paul Murphy, time is of the essence, but at the same time, it, people need to be clear about, about what's ahead.
0: Yeah, and I think people, what needs to go alongside the encouragement for people to do everything right, which is necessary, needs to be a sign that the government is also taking action on things that individuals can't do. So for example, we need a commitment from the government that by the time the schools open in January, every classroom will have a HEPA filter. Principals won't have to go out onto the market themselves to buy them. We, before Christmas, Damien English, in his department, has right. to pass regulations to have workplace ventilation. Okay. He said this two weeks ago in, in response to our bill. He said he'd give me a call that afternoon and then I got a letter too. We got no contact. Two weeks later, we got a letter saying, right. I'm going to write to the. I think, to write yeah, to people. To to leave we, leave we need it, it now. Can we have, have, to have to before it before Christmas? I'm afraid. Uh, my
2: thanks to Damien English, Paul Murphy, Nina Burns, Antonio Bryan. Coming up next, we'll take a look back at 2021 with our year in review. Stay with us. The year begins with Ireland once again in lockdown as cases surge across the country. Ireland's battle with Covid will be the dominant story of 2021. But no guarantee, no guarantee that we won't see restrictions reimposed. Truthfully, I don't think there's a politician or a doctor in the world who can give that guarantee. The vaccine drive picks up right across the country. By the end of the year, more than 90% of adults have two doses. What people need to understand is, is that until everyone is vaccinated and we have a high level of coverage, there's less places for the virus to go and therefore less chance of transmitting. But while there are so many still unvaccinated people, there's still chances for the virus to transmit
7: very
8: easily.
2: Towards the end of the year, schools become an issue as COVID
8: cases soar again. We have the largest unvaccinated group of people in the country are in our primary schools, going indoors for five to six hours every day
5: in the largest classes in the European Union and that is a matter that needs urgent address.
2: Eventually, NIA gives the green light for vaccines in children between the ages of five and eleven. In spring, restrictions ease, but a new battle begins. How to get the hospitality and events sector open safely.
4: I think it's important to give a signal to people and to sectors about what's possible in terms of the next phase. I think giving an indefinite period of... Or saying to people that there could be an indefinite period of closure uh, isn't prudent. I think people expect us to have a plan.
2: The digital Covid cert is brought in, as pubs and restaurants move back indoors. Finally, at the end of October, the remaining sectors of hospitality, music venues and nightclubs reopen. But within weeks, that would come screeching to a halt. Restrictions are reintroduced as cases rise and the Omicron variant appears. We've had
7: 3,200 cancellations in just under three weeks. In three weeks?
2: Mm-hmm. And when
3: people
7: call you up, are they giving any particular reason why they're doing that? It's purely based on the advice of the CMO and the government.
2: Away from COVID, there was a lot to talk about. The HSE suffered a huge cyber attack, crippling the health sector for weeks.
5: Our health system has fallen apart in the last week and um, we need to get our systems back up and running. We're dealing with criminals, no matter what way we look at it. If we don't pay them, they'll sell the data. If we do pay them, they'll probably sell the data.
2: The political scandal of the summer involved Catherine Zappone being offered a UN envoy role. Minister for Foreign Affairs Simon Coveney is embroiled in the scandal after giving evidence to an this committee. Katrin's a pound. So whatever you may percentage.
8: think of Katrin's a pound,
9: she's a very credible person. And what you've done today, Finagale and Simon Coveney done today, was led us to believe that she invented a job and oh. invented a start date.
3: I'll put it to you this way: He's a good worker that made a mistake. Show me the politician that doesn't make a mistake right. or admit they made
1: a
5: mistake.
2: Oh. On September fifteenth, Simon Coveney survives a no confidence motion in the Dáil.
6: Just like the air, I'm
2: Housing was back on the political agenda throughout the year. In September, the government released its Housing for All plan. Meanwhile, the issue of mica homes in Donegal brought political heat and people out onto the streets. The climate crisis was also a big talking point, as world leaders gathered in Glasgow for COP26, while at home the government published its Climate Action Plan.
4: This is a crisis, and our politicians, our, our media, our public officials, we have to understand we're in an emergency situation.
2: Away from Ireland, the start of the year saw American democracy in crisis. US! Trump supporters stormed the US Capitol to try and overturn the 2020 election. It doesn't work. Joe Biden is inaugurated as president on January 20th. Congratulations, Mr. President. In his first year, a major international crisis for Joe Biden, Afghanistan falls back into the hands of the Taliban after 20 years and America leaves the country. They said publicly there would be no retribution, no revenge attacks, that hasn't been the case. They have been hunting down people who were anti-Taliban for the past 20 years. Well, 2021 a year, we won't forget in a hurry and we're not at the end of it yet. Well, I'm joined by Akira Kelly from Newstalk, uh, presenter at Newstalk Breakfast, Donald Lynch from the Sunday Independent and Alison O'Connor, columnist at the Irish Examiner. You're all very welcome along um, to the programme. 2021, it really got off to the grimmest of starts. Like we hoped at the end of 2020 that the vaccine was on the horizon things were looking up. We had that meaningful Christmas, and then we had the surge in COVID cases in January that led to a lockdown all over again. Um, and for once, the nefarious government deviation and a kind of a, a split there on the messaging and the fallout from that.
9: Yeah, I, I uh, look. At, I think looking back at that sort of package of the year kind of flashing before our eyes, it's a sense of Groundhog Day, isn't it? I, I was thinking, sort of, how do I feel looking at that? And I feel exhausted, actually. I feel exhausted by the whole year. I think we kind of thought 2020 was the, the nadir. 2021 hasn't been much better. And, and we, I don't know if this is going to be a meaningless Christmas, if last year was the meaningful Christmas. I'm not entirely sure. But obviously what we heard earlier on in the programme from John Lee and what you were talking about with, with the other guests, um, we thought we'd be further along there's no question we thought we would be further along and we kind of believed that the vaccines and the vaccines do work insofar as that they do absolutely reduce by multiples the risk of serious illness and death and ICU admissions and all of that stuff we know that but the performance of vaccines in terms of reducing transmission and things like that it it, I think at this stage it's probably fair to say it's a little bit disappointing their immunity is waning quite quickly and it is a challenge to, to get yeah. your head around it. And
2: aside from all that, Donald, it did create this sort of us and them, you know, this race to get vaccinated. And then those who didn't get vaccinated being, you know, when especially when vaccine passes and all these things came in, this idea of we're in this together fell apart a bit. And yeah,
8: well, it really did. It really did. I mean, also, the restrictions of, of the pandemic and lockdown just sort of exposed this big split in Irish society that's already there. A generational split, people who have, um, you know, homes with gardens and fire pits and, you know, I, I really noticed that a lot of those people um, who are, you know, of the age, sometimes some advisors to politicians, politicians themselves, they form part of that group and they were very pro lockdown and pro sort of making things as, as strict as possible. And then you have, you know, young people working on kitchen tables, sort of uh, in tiny apartments and, you uh, it definitely, all of that definitely ex- exacerbated the sort of tensions that were already there in Irish society to do with property ownership and and this generation being worse off than the pre- previous one um, and all of those issues. Um, and yeah, the, the vaccination rollout itself, I think, was another yeah. kind of texture it's to that. It all ended
2: up being, being quite divisive in a way, you know, and people are now, like, be it sectors, be it individuals, we've all got our opinion on things, whereas last year essentially, we were told, you know, what to do and and how we should do it. And there was a sense that we we had to do This was a new thing. How will we deal with this pandemic? It's changed a lot this year, hasn't it? But it was still one of your moments of the year to to get vaccinated, wasn't it? Yeah, it
6: was, um, because I still remember that excitement. I got it in May and actually I got one of the Janssen ones. Um, But it's funny how things happen in life. I, you know, and it was the one shot and I was covered then within two weeks. And things just happened in my life then with regard to... Uh, somebody um, close to me whose health was compromised and it was a really good thing that I was, you know what I mean? I could look back and say, God, I wish it hadn't been the Janssen. But it's funny, you know, that just at that time in my life when I needed it and I was really glad for science and for scientists and for the vaccines. And even now, the fact that we have a booster, you know, um, that that we're still not sure. Omicron is only three weeks uh, old, literally. So there's still a lot of guesswork going on. Um, so I suppose I was thinking was all I was thinking as I was watching the package was, I'm glad I decided to wear red for a bit of festive <laughs> because we really need hope, something
2: don't we, I we hope really they're need not something. looking for
6: much crack uh, off the panel because I know we do. It is. And I think as, as Kira said, having' watched it, you know, having tough. heard John Lee say that earlier about the restaurants closing, it is difficult for us to pick ourselves up and to keep going. but I think in fairness to to the decision makers on lockdowns and that. You know, you're correct to say that it was very difficult for people who lived in tiny spaces and all that. But I think it's unfair to say that the people who took those decisions maybe took them willingly or that they felt they had any other decision other than to do that. I think that it's a really tough time to be in government. It's a really... If, if we're tired, you could say yeah. they're doubly wrecked. They they haven't had a break from it. And you're trying to... Be, the thing about being in politics is you always want to get re-elected. So trying to be in politics, ruling during a pandemic, and then also trying to get re-elected subsequently, yeah. Uh, yeah. it's a tough ask. I do
9: think that Donald makes a really good point, though, mm. that a lot of the people who are making the decisions are not the ones living with the effects of the decisions to the same extent because yeah. they're not... They're, they're all you know civil servants they're all you know state employees so it's not their business is being closed and I do think when they said we'll have an outdoor summer and all that kind of stuff that they did think it was going to be the two glasses of Chablis in the back garden with your two mates and then they were appalled to see the young people on South uh, William Street. But where else were they going to go?
8: And the other thing I kind of noticed about it all was that people were super selective about the things that they got outraged about. Everyone broke the rules in some way, shape or form over the course of the year. Nobody was, nobody was a complete saint all of the time. But people got some people got outraged about mothers and playgroups. Some people got outraged about foreign travel more. Some people... People were very outraged about what other
6: people
9: What did. other people, well, it was always out, other people. Outrage has
8: become a national pastime. I, I, mean, I, you it's,
5: find,
6: it's, I catch myself at it all the time. It's and completely completely you're like you're saying, yeah, you have everyone's to, at home on yeah.
8: Twitter just mainlining it into themselves <laughs> as well, you know, in another way. And uh, I just think this idea that, that, that people aren't completely influenced by their own circumstances when they make a decision. They uh, are, they I suppose, VTR, yeah. I mean, that's
2: where personal responsibility and the message from government too is like sort of make that call, but you know, try and be sensible and mitigate you know, in as much as you can. But and isn't it I mean surely the
6: positive of this is that, you know, we're here we are, we're heading into year three, isn't it? I'm losing my yeah. yeah. You know, and our our society generally is still pretty cohesive. I think that it's positive that we're. we're I think we are generally trying to be there for each other. Oh, Right. You know. You're, I mean, you're if you're seeing can, the positives here, yeah. But look, look, well, look at want look at look at the we, look we, at the states. We'll have, I mean, it depends we'll on, on whether you're positive. whether we'll you're a Republican or you know. We'll have I move one, on from these, we I to say one these but we do want to talk about other things. Is that is I think this we year.
9: squandered our summer. I think we, we, we lived through the summer thinking if we just stay locked down to some extent for a little bit longer, we'll be beyond COVID and we we it'll all be gone. And so it doesn't matter for locked lockdown for another six weeks or four weeks or two weeks or anything. And then we know it happened. And and it's, it's not going to be over. And it's not going to be over. There's yeah. lots more letters in the Greek alphabet to come. It's not going to be over. So yeah. we need to have that in our minds too.
2: Yeah, and a growing acceptance around that. And every day, I think everyone is learning more and more about this as well, uh, as well as as governments throughout the world, as we try to, to grapple with it all. And other big matters were housing, which out of the headlines and suddenly came back into it with, with a bang this year, a crisis that clearly hasn't gone away. Um, and the housing for all plan, huge promises there. Um, the big question is, you know, it's going to be whether it can be delivered upon and whether it'll make a difference to people's lives come 2022, Donald.
8: Yeah, well, that's the big question. And it'll be the big biggest theme of the, of the election and whether, um, you know, it's going to be a complete change in Irish society if Sinn Féin will, will, will get elected. People are, young people are just completely sick of of it being on the never-never and, and continually having to wait for meaningful change. We were, we we're told that every four years uh, that it's coming, it's coming and um,
2: it will be a key. It will be a key legacy, won't it, of this government? And you mentioned Sinn Féin. It'll there. be a
8: referendum on it the next election. Yeah,
2: they. I mean, if you look at the polls, they've had a phenomenal, phenomenal year, haven't they, Alison? Absolutely. I mean, you you
6: could argue that our housing situation almost doesn't need an opposition. You know, it's so bad. And the government. There is such a credibility gap between what the government says it will do and what and and the the expectations that people have. And that even this time next year, we won't know how really how effective housing for all has been because there's such a long a long lead in time Um, but that is not to take from the effectiveness of of Sinn Féin's uh, role in opposition I think they've been really good their spokespeople are really good um, and they're very good at hammering home their message so there is a real uphill battle for the government now it's it, it, theoretically, it could be another three years before we have an election. So certainly, that gives them time. But God, they have a mountain to climb on it.
2: Yeah, and also, I mean, look at the cost of living. That was another big story this year. People are really feeling the squeeze out there, aren't they, Kira?
9: Yeah, and inflation, obviously, is... We were talking about just kind of a, a transitory period of inflation as the economy bounced back post-pandemic, but we're not post-pandemic and it looks like that inflation is here to stay. So people are going to start becoming... I know you're saying we're cohesive, Alison, and we, we are to a large extent, but I wonder how long that will last when there's less money in our pockets, when, when we can't afford to roll out the pup to everybody, when when things become much tighter and when the borrowings of the country start to have to be paid back. There's an awful lot of stuff coming down the line that you've used the the never-never, that, that, that the chickens are going to come home to roost from 2020 and 2021 eventually. And you and, wonder, and I it wonder, has to
8: happen in Ireland at some point. You know, when you look back on the reeling in the years of this time 10 years ago, people are kind of amazed at how docile and compliant and everything we were in 2011 with the bank guarantee and everything mm. like that. I wonder when people look back at this year, will they say this was, this was the last little sort of uh, bit that we stumbled toward that and, and that there's going to be... No, but you know, I think
6: a- if, you compa- if you compare it to the UK, for instance, and they had their Freedom Day, you know... Um, and and all of that and anyone I know who's sort of been in London for a weekend or whatever recently told me that they ran out of it. Nobody's wearing masks. I think it's the, for me what I'm talking about as much as I I don't disagree that it will, you know, the longer it goes on the tougher it'll get. Um, But I I just think a basic decency and a respect for human life and respect for each other and respect for the notion Mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, loads of people, more vulnerable people will die if those of us who are able to take, you know, um, maybe to to put up with more restrictions don't do that. That's what I like about about our society. We'll have have to see if we
2: can bring that message into the new year or what comes of it. We will leave it there. Lots more to talk about after this break as we continue with our year in review. So stay with us. Welcome back, Kira Kelly, Donald Lynch and Alison O'Connor are still with me. We want to move to matters abroad and it was um, a big year in the US. It started off January 6th, Capitol Hill riots, um, in which hundreds of Trump supporters stormed the the Congress and delayed that session that that was, you know, in a bid to halt the the inauguration of Joe Biden. Um, It was unbelievable, really. I mean, it ended for Trump, as it were, in 2020, but it rolled right into the following year.
9: Yeah, you guys asked me what I think my moment of 2021 was. And I had a specific moment that stayed in my mind because that was the the peak time of, of wave three of COVID. So I was broadcasting from a hot press in my house because we weren't allowed to have two people in studio. So I was sitting in a hot press and live on air, we cut to Washington because we were following the election and they were behind us. And Trump had been supposed to make some kind of a conciliatory sort of Joe Biden as one speech was what we sort of thought might be going to happen. And instead he came out with that unbelievable speech about the election being robbed and he hadn't really lost and it was all, you know. And I remember sitting there going, the world has shifted on its axis. This is like an attempted coup in the White House of all places. The place that we grew up, the benign, the good guys, the, the good superpowers. Yeah since before I was born, had gone rogue, or uh, there was an attempt for it to go rogue. And, and I was sitting there in a, in a dressing gown with a pair of headphones on broadcasting to the nation this speech by the soon to be former president. And I remember thinking, this is just extraordinary. Did you really think
2: he'd change or do anything differently I, 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 My, my jaw was dropping listening. Yeah. I, I was but,
9: going, this is, this, this is as bad as we ever thought it might be, and, and it yeah. was.
8: But now, I mean, that's all been washed away and it's, it's just as bad. I mean, the Kyle Rittenhouse trial where this guy goes into a, a, a kind of a riot zone with a gun, shoots three people and just gets away with it completely. I mean, that's, that, that's a democratic presidency now. This is, it's still the same America. It's, they're still... Uh, so polarised. It's so polarised, but it's, it's kind of a strange country. It's so completely different to most places in the world, I think, in, in terms of...
9: That divisive rhetoric that came from Trump, though, yeah. that has been dialed down. That he is now quieter on social media. That yeah, he but well, they took him you, off social yeah, media. That but
6: was, if you look, yeah. I mean. Yeah,
2: he was banned. That was an extraordinarily. He had no his little blog
6: for. A it break. has worked. That has worked incredibly well in terms of how. I mean, when you think back at it now, even, you know how every tweet it just made world news. You know, his tweets almost could have would affect the stock Which exchange. Shows the literally, the incredible power of social media. Yeah, that's absolutely. absolutely. He was president in a different but, era. Yeah. But yeah. you didn't say that. I mean, it, yes, it has dialed down, and we have a a different president in that. But if you look at what's going on in the Republican Party still, the Marjorie Taylor Greens uh, yeah. et al., it's really disturbing. Yeah. And they are complete Trump acolytes who continue her, to push her, the her idea... They're accepting that climate the, change
8: as is is man-made. as yeah, like a moderate election, position. Trump it's lost the... You know, should have deserved to win the election and all of
6: that. Yeah. It's really... Yeah. Um, it's, it's it's disturbing to see what's still going on there. And the idea that when when the election happens in, what is it, three years now? Yeah. You yes. know, that you, if Trump or somebody as crazy as he is... I <laughs> think
9: (laughs) I find it hard to believe how anti-intellectual America is. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Because we kind of grew up a little bit looking up to it. Yeah. And then, as you say, they, they're celebrating yeah. absolute
2: also anti-science if we positions. look at it, if we thought things were going to calm down when Joe Biden came in and then we saw what happened in the latter part of the year with the US troop withdrawal from Afghanistan, yeah. which was yeah, a disaster. Um, and those those shocking images that were coming an, from the airport of people desperate to get out yeah. of the country and how badly managed all that was. And the fallout that will have Mm. in the years ahead with the Taliban back in now.
8: And and interestingly, you know, one of the the interesting parts about the Biden presidency is that, of course, Samantha Power, an Irish woman, the most powerful Irish woman in the world, heads up USAID. They have a major role in things like the withdrawal from Afghanistan and um, the sort of work that goes on in, in, in countries where America has a military presence. And just interesting to see, you know, not hear very much from her or not hear very much about what what they're doing, even though you know you'd, you would expect that there would be quite a lot of attention on that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, it's funny, isn't it, how some things uh, get ignored and the and the way the news cycle works. Mm. Um, to move on to well, it was a good, very good news year, wasn't it, um, for Britney Spears? A great year for her. <laughs> um, that's your moment of the year, or among them, Donald, for Britney, them, just, the campaign. I think it's I think, it's a, I think it's
8: a story that kind of draws in a lot of other stories as well because it was really a year when. Um, Mental health was a big sort of topic with Naomi Osaka pulling out of the French Open, Simone Biles out of the Olympics. Um, and just looking at the way mental health issues sort of play out in public and how, how we deal with them and how the media treats them and all of that. And the Britney Spears, Meghan Markle as well was, a, was another example of that. And the Britney Spears story seemed to kind of draw all of those things together because it's it's more cross generational. Yeah. She's been there for so long. People are horrified when they look back now at the way the media treated her when she started out. She's spoken out herself about Di- Diane Sawyer and things like that but um, also it was a kind of um, you know we talked about the bad side of twitter and social media but it was a kind of a groundswell of fan yeah, I mean was there anyone momentum. was there
6: anyone who didn't when you when we discovered that the conservatorship had been lifted you know that you didn't feel a a while yes. that's fantastic
8: yeah i mean but they i don't I, I
6: don't know would you agree i think though that it, it was a real gender thing there was no way that a male star oh of uh, as big as Britney was, that that would ever have happened If she hadn't been a woman and and if she hadn't have been wealthy, she would
9: not have lived under a Conservative ship. It was rich woman only. A a, a rich male rock star, pop star, would have been allowed to go off the rails in any form he wanted to and would never have been dragged into
2: this bizarre situation. It was extraordinary. And the details that all emerged through the course of documentaries and uh, and everything around that, Um, I think really um, shocked people. Um, To get on to our... People of the year this year, and, and there 's many names to choose from Kira, you chose Rachel Blackmore tell us I why. did um, I just think she's been she 's
9: had a fabulous year for a start, but I just think she has been amazing she 's an amazing sportswoman, amazing horsewoman, and I think obviously the first woman to win the grand national she did so well in Cheltenham and she 's been recognized as, as this amazing look at her she 's fabulous but but to me, I think she has shown such dignity and grit and determination, and i won 't lie. I like the fact that she's competing against men and beating them. I think it's great, and I just think she's had a brilliant year and, and, and on,
2: an even, on an even field. Yeah, well. exactly, it's great exactly. To see. It's all to see all like of that. that, you know. So but it's been a wonderful year for women in sport. And yeah, actually, I mean, true. It's, it's it was great a few others. every year, but it seemed to sort of break. Through. I thought of Kelly Harrington as well, but I and think Rachel Blackmore is brilliant public support there and for you uh, Donald Dolly Parton
8: yeah well you know I think there's a lot of people who I think kind of um, made the year a little bit better Um, obviously medics and scientists and all of that you know sort of very worthy people who who did great things and then there were people who made who, who sort of just entertained us a little bit, like, I don't know, like Bill Murray singing Right On Sally on, on a bar in Mayo. I mean, we needed, that. We needed little shots we in did. the arm like that, you know, uh, at, at certain points. But Dolly Parton sort of blends worthy and kind of a little bit like pop culture. And, and she's, she, she has all of those things. And she, she funded, funded vaccine research. She saved a, her, her nine-year-old co- co-star. She refused two, two different honours from Donald Trump. Um, and she's Dolly, I mean, come on. Yeah.
2: And when, <laughs> when Elon Musk was made um, you know, Time Person of the Year, they said, why not Dolly? You know? yeah. yeah. You why could not? make Dolly Time Person of the Year every year. Yeah. Let's face it, she
6: yeah. is just incredible.
2: And you are also staying with sort of yeah. healthcare workers or people who are helping yeah. that, that big, huge health cause this year. Um, you believe that there's a certain group in this country that deserve a huge amount of recognition. I do. I mean,
6: I, I think it's a bit funny
2: when we've had all this discussion over the
6: last while about whether we'd have a, a public holiday or whatever. You see them again at the forefront. I mean, imagine now being a full-time healthcare worker, facing into the the next couple of weeks and uh, after the, the the couple of years that they've had. I really doff my cap. I think that they're they're just amazing at fair play. And I suppose it's it sounds cliche nearly at this stage, but to say that the effort is appreciated.
2: Yeah, I know. And look, hopefully for them and for all of us a more hopeful year ahead, we can hope. My thanks to Alison, to Donald and to Kira. That is it from us and for the season. We'll be back in early January. Our programme is available as a podcast on all major platforms. Our next news is on Ireland AM tomorrow morning. But from all the late team here, good night. Have a great Christmas. Take care.